it's Karen. And it's Shannon. And we're two idiots. Geniuses. Just kidding. We're marketers. Duh. Uh, no, God, please, no, no. Here we are back again. For another episode of It's, it's marketing. marketing. Duh. A lot has happened since we last spoke, but. I mean, a lot is always happening, I feel, in this age. What do you think is the biggest event of this week? Adam Levine cheating on his wife. <laughs> I mean, it's really hard to <laughs> it's really hard to say because I feel like there's somebody's cheating on someone at least every week. But that has been a major topic of conversation. And one of the things actually that I thought was really interesting was um, Emily Ratatahowski or however you pronounce her name weighed in Wait, to. Yeah. But calling Sarah Foster out because she felt like she felt like Sarah Foster was placing blame on the other woman, which to me, I was kind of like, no, I disagree with you on this particular instance. This woman is for sure capitalizing on the situation. I mean, Obviously. Yeah, I guess some reports have come out about Summers, Sumner's, excuse me, her character and, you know, not good things. But I was also surprised that that happened. I did not realize that Emily R. I don't know, <laughs> actually know how to pronounce her last name, that she was cheated on, which isn't really the point either. But I think Sarah Foster was kind of wrong place, wrong time, wrong post for her because she she did what she took her TikTok and then she stitched it down twice on her own feed. So, I mean, she's obviously using this. Nobody knew who she was. I mean, let's be honest. I didn't. If I didn't, who did? Going back to the Emily thing for a second, I just remember... I don't know. I think she like plays this very feminist figure And I just don't, I don't believe it. It's really hard for me to believe. I don't remember who it was who started uncovering some of her like past kind of grievances on objectifying the women's body and like feeling like, you know, she should be able to look and feel desirable, but also like not feel like people are objectifying her. And I was like, it's just very strange to me that someone who whose literal job has, I mean, probably been for the most part based on her, the way that she looks can be so outspoken in that category. I just it, there's something that just doesn't click with me. Yeah, I don't know. Here she, she goes, is. champing another woman. <laughs> <laughs> A few moments later. Okay, so let's get into marketing. Our big topic for today is YouTube shorts. Being someone who spent a lot of time really trying to understand the kind of evolution of the digital space via TikTok. I mean, come on, it's completely changed the way that brands are even attempting to communicate with consumers. This whole introduction of YouTube shorts is clearly a response to the fact that TikTok is just crushing it. Um, But where my passion lies is that it honestly is like every day is a new era of this arms race between TikTok, Instagram, and 
YouTube. And so obviously Instagram is failing miserably and also just introduced and everyone's pretty upset about a, um, gosh, a 60 second story, which completely destroys a brand's ability to be creative with a, with a, an influencer creator, um, to create content for that specific space on Instagram. Um, another side story. What do you mean it destroys? So when you think about the way that we used to work with, um, creators, we would get, we would have them record something that was like 60 seconds, right? And it would chop that video up automatically into 15 second clips. So you can be really creative about like what's happening in each of those clips. So as a follower is clicking through those frames, you have the ability to at least get maybe four messages to them, right? Well, now it's one solid clip. If it's if it's sixty seconds or longer, it just uploads. Oh, you can't um, you can't thumb tap? Correct. Okay. So your entire message can be clicked over with one little touch. So you lose that ability mm-hmm. to have a variety of different it's just the whole the whole situation is is really stupid in my opinion and um not they're not evolving i don't know who's over there within the product development on the product development team but they're maybe they should reconsider um and then you're saying instagram is not evolving no and i think that they're trying to but they're just missing the mark every time and it's kind of sad to totally agree. kind of sad to watch. Um, it's it's the difference. It's it's six to seven X more users on TikTok than in Instagram reels. They're saying, oh, yeah, easily, easily. So people just aren't gravitating towards Instagram. It's to me, it's overdone. It's too fake. It's too overpaid not overplayed but overpaid like everything's a partnership it's it's too prim and proper for me now well i think that the it just didn't evolve with the way that people like to consume content so when you're thinking about like when you're flipping through channels on a tv right like you want different options you don't want to be looking at like the same type of content that's being fed to you via an algorithm that doesn't make, that doesn't learn with you. I feel like TikTok really hit it on the head when it was like, okay, this is the type of content that you like. We're not going to serve you 11,000 ads in between each piece of content. We're going to keep serving you the same, same types of content. And they just hold your attention longer. The algorithm is... What is the algorithm of Instagram? I mean, I don't even care. Well, it doesn't you know? make sense, does it? Like how how many times have you besides besides like really catering to all of my expensive shopping habits has the algorithm worked for me? Like honestly, don't know. Couldn't tell you. Yeah, that's true. Okay, so let's get back to YouTube Shorts because I think that's where the question mark will go, right? Either YouTube shorts or TikTok or something perhaps we don't know of yet, but... Well, I think that's maybe YouTube's edge. Personally, having consumed YouTube short content, I don't like the user friendliness. I don't think that it's super user friendly. Like TikTok is just really 
crushed it in that department, they have to really tighten that. I think that experience up. You look like you're going to say something. Yeah. Yeah. I am going to say something. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So YouTube shorts is a confusing place to start in for me. I don't understand the content that is in there right now. And as a creator, not me as a creator, but as a, you know, in theory creator, you have to be an established YouTuber to be considered for the shorts program. And it's long form versus short form. So when I create content, it's always going to be mostly short form, which is, you know, not how YouTubers have been established. So it'll be interesting to see if it's the same group of people that move over or if they find a way to get kind of a new group to come in the door through the shorts. Well, I mean, I think that their play is going to be getting major creators or major YouTubers that have a huge subscriber base and a dedicated following, they're going to pay them to lean in, right? They're going to have them sign contracts. They're going to have them use this predominantly as their like number one social channel. And that's how they're going to try and attract people over to this platform. That's my best guess. Um, I've seen I mean, they should take your advice if they're not going this <laughs> route, because what's in there right now is like just a bunch of garbage. It's, it's pretty bad. It's pretty bad. But the other thing is like, but again, going back to the algorithm of TikTok, like it's just so good. I don't even know if they have the ability to compete with that. And that's where I just feel like, you know, the monetization side of, of the YouTube is the edge. But TikTok is evolving so rapidly as someone who's worked with brands on the paid side of it. Like it is, I mean, we're talking quarterly. They're really digging in and learning what, how users are using their platform so that they can better lean into those things like using it as a search engine. I mean, now they're like, okay, great. Let's monetize an SEO tool, you know, for brands so that they can start coming up to the top of a search result. I mean, they're really, really smart. So I feel like in this period of learning and the shorts period of learning, they have the the opportunity to figure out how to monetize um, creator content so that creators can actually get paid beyond just sponsorships. I agree with you. I don't I don't see it happening this fast, but I think next year will be pivotal. That will be when we'll really start to see. I mean, Instagram's out, Meta's out. It's, you know, there's no coming back. They've they're trying, they're they're failing. It's gonna be really interesting to see what happens between YouTube and TikTok next year. I don't think Instagram will ever go away. It'll like maybe simmer to like a Pinterest. A hundred percent. It's like just do what you know. You can't be everything to everyone. That sounds like Kris Jenner giving Khloe Kardashian advice. Just do what you know. Chloe, poor Chloe. But yeah, so that's my thoughts. Those are my thoughts on YouTube shorts. I'm unconvinced, but I think follow the money. Well, in a sense, you're not speaking out of turn. If we go back to the Vine days, 
Oh uh, gosh, what year was that when Vine was big? 2012. Wow, shut up. It has to be. Um, so Vine got really popular for the short form. And then YouTube offered better sponsorship. And that's why a lot of Vine people left Vine and went to YouTube. So it could be that again. Nailed it. June 2012. That's so crazy. Yeah. 10 years since Vine. They released it on 2013, but it was founded in 2012. We are um, decades of experience (laughs) now here, Shannon. (laughs) I know. When do we get to update our resumes to be like... (laughs) We're very high IQ. Very high IQs. (laughs) Multi-decades. Here's a good story for you guys. Because the last time I had a really good story about Karin that I was able to share with you... This time, another great story. Karin updated her resume after she left the days of vital proteins. And she wanted to really showcase, you know, some of the skill sets she has that make her an exceptional leader and one that's far different than than most. There are so many. (laughs) There's a lot. But one in particular is her IQ. And the funniest part about this is she did not mean to put IQ because who in the, who in the hell writes the resume and is like, has a very high IQ. She meant EQ, obviously. I was trying to write Emotional EQ. intelligence. I wrote like, ex- I was trying to write like exceptionally high EQ because that <laughs> is truly like one of the most outstanding things on a resume about me like I can understand people and like work well 100% and instead of writing EQ I wrote IQ it was the last bullet of my like vital proteins experience exceptionally high IQ and I never noticed until I got a job with that resume worked there for a year and a half then left and looked at my resume again. How effing embarrassing. So we'll never know if it was the absolute boldness or the actual. Hey, call in. Call in. Like we. Let's find let's out. Let's get him on and say, was it just because you were like, this girl has like some kahunas to like put this on her resume and really be like unapologetic about it they for sure didn't read the whole (laughs) resume they probably didn't read past vital protein exceptionally high iq hired hire her get her in here actually i have like a borderline low iq so (laughs) sorry about that (laughs) i mean eq off the charts i will write next time see that's the thing though we need to start just hiding little factoids in our resumes that are like absolutely absurd just to see if people actually do a thorough job of reading them. I mean, I think this proves it. Like if you interviewed someone that had (laughs) exceptionally high IQ on their resume, like either you would not hire them or like you would address it. I would like, I would, I would have to, I would have to know about the individual and, and like what they're, that would absolutely be my first question is like, so tell me about your exceptionally high IQ. What is it? And And I would be like, if you were interviewing me and you asked me that, I would be like, excuse me, 
ma'am, we were looking at your resume. It says, exceptionally high IQ. Oh. I think you would just have to roll with it at that point because you wouldn't know, like, are they bringing you in because of that specifically? Or, I mean... It's just the best story ever because it's so ridiculous. You know what? I'll place a few calls and find out. I'll call the recruiter and see if he ever noticed. Did you ever notice? I mean, it's just, I would have, if I were your recruiter, I would have called them and be like, hey, you know, I really love this last point on your resume. I think, um, yeah, I would have like offered advice, right? Mm-hmm. Like I would have accepted that advice. I did ask for him, like, what do you think? Because I really only sent it to one place. Anyway. Yeah. Sorry, some of us have to get jobs by lying. Shannon, just kidding. So, <laughs> so, so far, I haven't had to lie to get one. But, you know, <laughs> there's still plenty of time. Um, so, yeah, that was the that was the great story of Karen's um, Karen's resume. Just tips, you know, we're here to provide insights into things happening in the marketing world, but also, you know, great tips for how to get jobs. <laughs> to, to, to get somewhere. <laughs> we don't know if we'll actually get you a job, but we'll get you an interview so that people can clarify what the hell you're talking about. <laughs> Maybe get a few laughs. We'll give you tips on how to get a few laughs. Great. Well, I mean, I think that concludes our second episode of marketing nonsense that we dig into. I don't know. Well, I think we're going to have to call that one the end of the line. <laughs>